Welcome to Urwi Podcast with Susie Briggs and Alan McClure. In this episode, we read Riding Hood, The Lazy Cobbler, Aggie Bash, and The Puddock Sign. Aggie Bash Watch yourselves, but dinny fash, about the witch cried Aggie Bash. She cures your plukes and heals your rashes, sells love potions to lads and lassies. Ointments for jaggies, biles and stings, Aggie can mend all manner of things. She's mostly wise, couthy and douce, but she has the power to curse your hoose. So just you mind, dinna gie her snash, or you'll get the worst o' Aggie Bash. I heard she cursed old Jock McCurk for saying her potions didn't work. He knelt on toy bricks left on the flare, even though he doesn't he wains on a mare. Jock's kitchen drawers got jammed with spins, his socks got bumfold inside his shin. He lost the remote for his smart telly and fun a big slug in the tail of his welly. His new mobile phone fell into the cludgy and next door's cat flied his pet budgie. His dog got guffy and stank out the room. Aggie just cackled and jumped on her broom. Jock was dumbfoonert. He'd taken the worst. Aggie Bash is the witch of the fascist curse. The Lazy Cobbler There ain't bade in a wee village by a murksome wood An easy-ozy lazy cobbler Now that's a chap by Max and Men's shoes if you didn't ken And to be fair, in his case you make no ken at all to see him He was far more like to be curried into a scratcher Or yawning out a mug of cocoa or scratching his bahuki and gopping into space, than actually macking shoes. His workshop had a layer of stour an inch deep out of him, say rarely was it used, and his poor wife was at her wit's end. "'With a bairn to feed!' she'd cry, gain him a scalp round the lug and chucking his copy of the beano into the bin. "'I'm working my horns to the bane, cooking, cleaning, and all ye days lays a boot!' The wee hungry bairn would be greeting fit to break your heart, and the cobbler would be full of sorrow and vow to change his ways. Oh, didn't you fash yourself, my love, he'd say. I've a wee of work and I'll, I'll get a rectate. He'd shack himself down, pull up his breeks, and heed for the workshop. But his een would be met with a waysome sicht. Mucky tools, piles of patterns, sheets of leather gingin' fusty in the corner, and he just wouldn't ken what he stirred. Ah, Ken, he'd say to his cell, a wee dram'll fire us up. And he'd put it his secret stash, pour off whisky, knock it back and settle into his chair, thinking on the rare and one or some shoes he'd mack, if only he'd the time. Now, yin day, his wife came down and caught him at it. 
Man, you should have heard her screech. Nae food in the pantry! Nae milk in the icebox! Nae clays in the cupboard! And you're sitting stocious in the stoor! Oot! Oot! And dinna come back till you've some work to do! Well, the cobbler did what he was telt, and Tina donner through the woods, feeling like a richt waste of space. She's richt, he mumbled to his cell. I'm nae good at all. I wouldn't blame her if she shot the coop. Just as he was feeling his lowest, an aura soon came to his lugs. Somebody was harpling through the woods, muttering and cursing under his breath. Stupid cheap boots, came the voice. This is what happens when you try to save a bit of cash. The cobbler looked it up in surprise, and afore lying the owner of the voice came into view. Michty, thought the cobbler, I wouldn't be complaining gin I was dressed like Vaughan. For there on the path was a richt dandy o' a man, tap hat on his heed, fine tail coat flapping ahint him, gowd watch chain skinkling for his waistcoat. Every inch of him cried, Wealthy. Oh, that is, apart for his boots. For while one of them was shiny and fine, the tay o' the ilka boot was flapping open with each step like the bill o' an angry duck. The fellow was reed-faced with age, limping down the path like Long John Silver, grumbling and chuntering awa the while. Disgusting. Just then he spotted the cobbler, stunning in the wire with his gub hanging open. I say, my good man, the fancy fellow hailed him, you wouldn't happen to know of somewhere hereabouts where a man might find a decent pair of boots? I'm expected at the laird's ball tonight, and these wretched things are coming apart of the seams. Well, as you might imagine, our cobbler couldn't believe his luck. Aye, I, I, I mean, yes, my lord. I'm a cobbler myself, as it happens. I'd be honoured to make you appear. The man's face lit up, and they struck a deal there and then. A pair of boots, delivered to this spot by eight tonight. And in return, well, shall we say, a bag of gold? The cobbler fair skipped him, a sang on his lips and a licht in his een. I'll make the finest boots that have ever been made, and all the fine folk at the laird's ball will see them. The orders will come rolling in. Oh, happy days are here again. He dashed into his workshop and started drawing up plans strict awa. He thought of the fine, dark leather he'd use, the stylish turn of the heel, the perfect stitching that would never give way. But och. His thoughts began to run away with him, as aye they did, and afore lying he was drifting in a dreamland, picturing his cell casually chatting with kings and queens, graciously sharing his secrets with eager young cobblers, dining on lobster and sipping fine wine. His eyelids grew heavy, and in nae time at all he was snoring at his workbench with a big doited grin across his face. Now, as you can likely guess, he snored his way through the hail of the day, and by the time he shuggled the cell awake, there was barely time to run to the meeting point, boots or no boots. Oh, no, he yelled. What have I done? My wife will hear my guts for garters. And he flung his cell about the workshop in a frantic stramash, carelessly stapling random bits of leather together, in the wild hope of making the rich man's boots. At last he fell to his knees crying, It's hopeless. I've blown it. Suddenly, with a flash and a pop, 
an unkawee man appeared by the cobbler's side. He was short and hairy and dressed in tatters, but with a glint of mischief in his een. "'Where are you greeting for, man?' he asked. Well, the cobbler was fair flagged by this unchancy wee fella, and he stammered out his tail. "'The worst of it is,' he finished, "'I was going to get a bag of gowd. "'It would have solved all our problems.' The strange wee man put his arm in the cobbler's shoulders. "'Now then, dinna fash yourself. "'I hate to see a grown man cry. "'Here, tell you what. "'I'll mak your boots for ye. "'In fact, if you'll give me hmm, half of that gowd, "'I'll mak ye the finest boots in all of Scotland.' Well, you can bet your bottom dollar that the cobbler agreed to this, louping to his feet with a cry of delight. They shook on the deal, the wee man vanished for a moment, then reappeared with a pair of gleaming, shiny, beautiful boots, soft and sturdy, bonny and warm. The cobbler stuttered his grateful thanks and pelted out the workshop and aft to the woods to deliver the boots. Yeah, there you are. The dandy was waiting on him when he arrived. I was a little worried that you wouldn't show up. But my, what a fine pair of boots! He took them for the breathless cobbler, paced up and down a bit with a smile spreading across his face. These will do handsomely, my dear fellow. Just the job for the laird's ball. And now, as agreed, a bag of gold. And off he strode, leaving the cobbler with a heavy, jangly bag of coins and a heart bursting with glee. "'My fortune's made!' he cried, his mind burling with a thought to awe he might buy. New clies for sure, and tools for the workshop, and a bicycle for his wife, and maybe a jacuzzi. Oh, "'Hang on a wee minute,' he said to his cell. "'Half of this has to gang to the wee fellow and made thee boots. Ach, that's a scunner. Jacinus, I bet a wee naff like that hasn't even got a use for gowd.' Probably doesn't he ken gowd fae chuckies if ye company that. And that's when an ill tricket thought come into his heed. Why no, if the strange wee brownie wouldn't ken the difference, just replace some of the gowd wee pebbles. They'd weigh about the same, and they'd surely be as muckle use in fairyland or wherever he hailed fae. I'll just replace a couple of coins, the cobbler tell the cell. He did mak a bonny pair of boots, after all. But as you can well imagine... Ain't he'd stirred it down this path, there was nae returning, and by the time he was a mile for him, he'd slipped the hail of the brownie's shear into his pooch and filled the bag with chuckies off the path. Suddenly, Qua should appear but the brownie is cell, manifesting for an awy and smiling expectantly. Is that my cash, aye? he asked, and afore the cobbler could reply, he'd wheeled the bag out of his horn and vanished back into thin air. Now, maybe's the cobbler would have thought better of cheating the brownie gin he'd had a bit mere time to think, but seeing the wee fella had taken matters into his ain hands, the cobbler shrugged, smirked, and hid at him. But, oh, michty me, what a sicht greeted him when he got there. His poor wife, white as a sheet and trembling like a jilly, stood in the doorway pointing up the stair. <laughs> the wane, she wailed, the wane is gone, and... There's something in its place. The cobbler gulped and climbed the stair as best he could with his knees knocking together. When he got to the bairn's room, he hardly dared look. But there, all curried in as snug as you please, was nane other than the brownie. Aye, aye, min, he chuckled. Seems you mistook your agreement. 
You promised me gowd and gied me stains, so I've had to tack something precious o' yours instead. But d- dinna fash, you and your good woman can take care o' me instead o' your wain. Now the cobbler's wife had come up ahent them and heard all this. Let's just say it didn't fair impress her. You mean this is your fault? She shrieked at her husband. Then she called him a hale list of things that it would be unseemly to repeat here and chased him down the stair aiming swift kicks at his bahookie with a brownie cackling for the cot all the while. Now that wee brownie was an aura guest. He sat in that cot shouting for food and drink and blankets and pillows, comics and lollipops and cigars and teddy bears and foot massages and bonbons and this went on for days while the cobbler and his wife were driven fair demented. After about a week, the wife said, That's it! I've had enough! See if you didn't get this sorted out! I'm out of here! You can tame that wee scunner on your lane! Of course, the thought of this was enough to finally get the cobbler's brain in gear, and after a deep breath, a wee smile started to appear on his face. You're quite right, my love, he said. Just leave this to me. Then, fetching the bottle of iron brew the brownie had just demanded, he headed up the stair. You take your time, snapped the brownie, grabbing the bottle and slurping it down. Oh, oh, aye, sorry about that, said the cobbler. It's just, um, I was hearing a wee think there, and we'll... I've just got a wee bone to pick with your situation. Oh, you have, have ye? snapped the brownie after a braw fizzy burp. Well, you should have thought of that afore you tried to rip us off. Oh, no, no, you're quite right, I was. Bang out of order. It's just, well, you can't. You did promise to mark the finest boots in the hail of Scotland, and, well... At this, the brownie threw his blankets aside and sat up with a fine huff brewing. Whoa, whoa, he said. Are you slagging off my boots now? The cobbler held up his horns to pacify the wee fella. Oh, no, no, well, no, exactly. It's just that, grand as they were, I could have easily made a pair like that myself and saved you the bother. And seeing you didn't really keep your end of the bargain. The brownie was furious. He leapt for the cot, gnashing his teeth in rage. Hard this, he bellowed thrusting the empty bottle into the cobbler's hand and disappearing in a puff of grumpiness. Five minutes later, he reappeared, a wee bit sweat on his brow and a look of triumph in his een. Here, he said, and he handed the cobbler the most incredible pair of boots he'd ever seen. They fair glowed in the licht, and no a stitch was visible. They looked as if they'd been carved into solid mahogany, and yet they were licked as a feather and soft to the touch. Slipping them on, the cobbler found they warmed his feet like a toasty fire in the grate. They were so comfy he could almost weep, but he pulled the cell together and said, eh, Aye, no bad, no bad. A wee bit tight round the taze, though. I mean, fair enough if this is the best you can date. The brownie clenched his fists in rage, stamped his feet and yelled, Wait there! And he vanished again, leaving the cobbler to pad a boot in the miraculous boots, feeling like his feet were in heaven. It was near on half an hour afore the brownie reappeared, and this time he was pecking and panting like he'd just climbed Ben Nevis. <sighs> Here, he gasped, and he passed the cobbler a pair of boots that stopped him in his tracks. They shone with their own gowden licht, and when he put them on, they formed themselves around his feet for a perfect loving fit, like a hug for a favourite old freen. He was so happy, he began to dance round the room and found that he was suddenly an incredible dancer. 
The boots took him effortlessly through jigs and gavots, tangos, salsas and the Highland fling. Never in his life had he moved so effortlessly and he laughed aloud with pure joy. He quickly caught his cell, though, and turned his laugh into a cough. <laughs> oh, aye, 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 very good, he said. But you can dance, it's not really my thing. It's a bit tiring, you know, I think. I prefer a boot that does what it's telt. Speechless with wrath, the brownie vanished again in a raging cloud while the cobbler burled and span around the room with glee. Well, it was a full twa hours later that the brownie popped back and when he did, he didn't look at all wheel. Truth be told, he was doing rich knackered, but he held out a new pair of boots to the cobbler, glowering at him without a word. And oh, what boots! The moment the cobbler touched them, they appeared on his feet, warm and soft and perfect. The soles vibrated gently to give him a wee massage, and rather than walking about the room, he lifted clear off the grun and floated a boot. In wide with astonishment, he floated down the stair and out the door, and funny could lope as high as the clouds if he wanted, and land without harm. The boots turned him invisible if he wanted. They made him invulnerable and strang and faster than a jet plane. He could whick about the world with a single thought if he'd a mind could score a goal for the other end of the pitch, could whack up walls and across ceilings, breathe under water, travel in time, work out tricky sums in his head and scratch his ain back with his feet. After a blissful hour of trying out all these amazing new powers, he thought he'd best get back, and he zoomed up the stair and back into the room where the brownie was waiting. Wheel, he said, with a wicked gleam in his weary een. Aye, said the cobbler. I mean, they're quite nice and all that, but I'm no fair keen on the colour. Ah, forget it! shrieked the brownie, bursting into a cloud of smoke that drifted and blew out the windy, never to trouble them again. The bairn was back in the cot, sucking on its thumb. All three pairs of magical boots were there in the room, and the bag of gowd was the cobbler's to keep. And that's just about the end. The cobbler sold the first two pairs for an astronomical sum, so much that he'd never have to work again, as if he'd ever worked afore. His dear wife was quite happy, and would sometimes borrow the third pair of boots to visit archaeological digs in Egypt or Peru. The bairn grew up remembering nothing of its wee adventure, and in fact, though it's no the most original ending for a tale, they all lived happily ever after. For Scottify, in which Susie challenges Alan to write a song about a Scots word. Hello, Alan. Last month you made a bra we sang about the word stushy. That's still burling about in my head. I've got a new Scottify sang challenge for you. This word is one of my favourites. The word is
I'm a paddock in a shuck and a loup fair lily pad Guddle in the broad brune dub Mac a feastie, oh a beastie I can pop in and a piece to take a line if I want some grub Geezer and ar, geezer and I, geezer B-B-I-T Geezer ribbit, 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 crook a line with me Crook a line with me Crook a line with me I'm a paddock in a loch, thinking, oh, what a holiday, what could be better than this? Share my patter in the water, we are splashing, we are splatter, tuck a duke, it's a life for bliss. Gaze a P-U-D-D-O-C-K, I'm a paddock, I'm a paddock, we a lot to say, we a lot to say. We a lot to say. I am amphibulously fabulous and rare. I'm just as happy breathing water, breathing air. I never have to brush my teeth or comb my hair. Oh, wow, I may want to be a puddle. Puddock again? Uh, no. Yes, you have. Look at the state of your clothes. You're not coming in the house like that. Oh, shell. Dryden Hood. Yence upon a time there was a wee lassie we was kept by the name of wee Red Riding Hood. She was called that cause she wore her favourite Red Riding Hood. I suppose if she liked wearing green roller skates, they would have just called her wee green roller skates, and if she liked wearing strippet socks, then they would just have called her wee strippet socks. Anyway, wee Red Riding Hood stayed with her mammy on the edge of a muckle forest. In the forest was a hoose where her old granny stayed. Yende, her mammy gave her a basket of messages to gay to granny, as she was nae feeling up to gan to the shops herself. Mammy says to wee Red Riding Hood, Here's some tea, sugar, biscuits and a bottle of ginger. I need you to gan to Granny's house and gear these messages. Gan straight there now, nae diddle daddling, and stay on the path. You didn't want to be getting lost in the forest. There's a big, bad wolf gan about. So wee Red Riding Hood took the basket of messages and stepped on to the forest path. The sun was shining and the birds were singing. As she wandered along the path, she noticed how the sunlight dappled through the leaves onto the bonny wild flowers. Wee Red Riding Hood thought the flowers were the very thing to cheer her old granny up. 
Say she started gathering up the prettiest yens to make a posy. It wasn't long afore we Red Riding Hood had strayed off the path to Granny's house. Meanwhile, a big, bad wolf was trailing about, looking for his dinner. He saw we Red Riding Hood, and he licked his lips. He juked in and out between the trees, keeping his greedy een on her. He was thinking about pouncing on her and having a snack when she lewdly sniffed the posy and she said to herself, Oh, my granny's gonna love these flowers. When we Red Riding had looked up, she realised she'd strayed for the path to granny's house and she felt a bit feared. She was all alone in the middle of this forest. Well, she thought she was alone, but you and I can, she wasn't. We Red Riding Hood sat on a stain to think about what to do next, when the big bad wolf slinked towards her, acting all coothy. Hello, wee lassie. You look lost. We Red Riding Hood stood up and she said, I'm wee Red Riding Hood and I'm going to my granny's with these messages. I was picking flowers and I can't seem to find the path to her house. Wait, wait a minute. Are you a big bad wolf? The big bad wolf coughed. <coughs> Me? No, I'm no bad. I can okay, there's a there's a bad gen gone about, but no, I'm a good big bad good wolf. Och, didn't you fash about me? We Red Riding Hood wasn't feeling too sure about it, and she says, Are ye? Aye? So the big bad wolf gave his best friendly patter. Did you, did you say you were going to Granny's house and you, you got lost? Aye. Oh, that's a wee shame, that's a wee shame. Say, say your granny stays here, does she? Aye. Is she no fairy wheel? No, not really. Oh, that's a wee shame, aye, it's a wee shame. And you're taking her some messages and some flowers. Sure, she'll be awfully pleased to see you. Well, if I can find the path again, I will just get to her house. Oh, I can help you. Just just scan back that way past the burn and walk about twee hundred yards. You'll find the path again, no bother. We Red Riding Hood said, Really? Well, thanks a lot. My mammy was wrong about you. Big bad wolves aren't they all bad. That's right, said the big bad wolf. Gee's a shoot if you're needing anything. Just shoot for Benny. Benny the big bad, I mean, good wolf. We Red Riding Hood gave a wee wave and shouted, Bye, Benny, and went to find the path again. The big bad wolf licked his lips. He looped round and ran the opposite way to Granny's house. It wasn't long before the big bad wolf chapped on Granny's door and said in his girliest voice, Hello, Granny. I've got your messages. Granny shouted back, 
Is that you, Red Riding Hood? You sound like you hear a sore throat, hen. Hi, came the voice of the big bad wolf. I was singing too much and my throat is a bit sore. Granny unlatched the door and said, Come in the kitchen, I'll make you some tea. As soon as Granny opened the door, the big bad wolf gripped her, tied her up, covered her mouth and hid her in the wardrobe. Then the big bad wolf found Granny's nighty and sleeping bonnet and put them on. He looked under the covers in the bed. A wee while later, wee Red Riding Hood arrived with the messages and came straight into the house. She saw Granny in the bed. She thought Granny looked a bit different. She seen the big lang ears kicking out the sides of the sleeping bonnet and she says, Oh, Granny, what big lugs you've got. The big bad wolf played along and said in his Granny voice, Oh, the better to hear you with my dear. Oh, Granny, what a big neb you've got. Oh, the better to smell you with, my dear. Oh, oh Granny, what big in you've got. Oh, the better to see you with, my dear. Oh, Granny, what big teeth you've got. Oh, the better to eat you with, my dear. And the big bad wolf looked at the bed, his big sharp teeth ready to bite and snatch at wee Red Riding Hood. She stood back and swung the basket of messages off his head. She gave him a rick dunt and knocked him clean out. The bottle of ginger smashed to smithereens. Then she looked into the wardrobe and rescued her granny. Together they tied up the wolf and sent for the polis. When the big bad wolf went away in the polis van, granny and wee red riding hood sat down and had a wee cup of tea and some biscuits. And when Benny, the big bad wolf, got out the jail, he never went near Granny's house again. been listening to Our Wee Podcast with Susie Briggs and Alan McClure. All sang stories and adaptations by Susie and Alan, and the production and music was also by Alan. We'd like to thank everybody that supported us through Patreon and buying us a coffee. We really appreciate it, folks, and we hope you've enjoyed the podcast. See you next time.